This is Esculapius, a podcast that uncovers the human side of our healthcare professionals. I'm your host, John Neary. My guest today is Janet Lau. Janet has been a clinical outpatient dietitian for nearly 20 years, most recently with Wild Cornell Medicine. She studied food and nutrition science at Hunter College in New York City and has been certified as a holistic health coach. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. So I want to first start off by uh, maybe looking at the broader picture of food and nutrition. I feel like people can quickly just sort of jump into different diets that they're exploring or, or, or different, you know, intermittent fasting, things like that. Um, but in, in all your work as a dietitian, you know, what is a, what is a healthy relationship with food uh, look like? Well, my take on what a healthy relationship looks like is when you can eat all the colors of the rainbow, um, not get too hungry, nor become too stuffed. And when or if that does happen, uh, what did you learn from that experience so you don't continue the vicious cycle? Um, Not be afraid to try something new. Um, Try to avoid too much um, or depriving yourself of of, um, things that you enjoy because What I've noticed that ends up happening is that, you know, when you do see it, uh, people start binging and then they, uh, the binging is typically of unhealthy choices. And then that deprivation, uh, because of doing it for so long creates this, uh, when you do have like the one cookie, for example, it starts becoming like self-sabotage where you just say, screw it, let's just continue this. Um, so it's basically about always being mindful about the choices that you're making and, and what you're deciding to eat. So then as a, a dietitian in a clinical setting, like what to kind of build this healthy relationship with, with food, like what are, what are some of the tools that are in your toolkit and, and how do you cultivate that relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. So typically when I'm in session with a patient, I ask a whole bunch of questions um, to kind of understand where maybe uh, they could use some improvement. And what I found um, after uh years of experience and also my uh, personal experience is that they do need uh, nutrition basics. Uh, My style is really based on structure. So I chat about some key points, which include how to eat, when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. Uh, We always embed hydration activity and and self-care and also in the process so that they have an understanding of how to go about in uh, creating and cultivating uh, their um, their journey towards like good health and well-being. So when somebody walks into your office, what are, what are some of the common issues that they're, uh, experiencing? I'm sorry. What are the, the, the common like conditions or ailments that they, they seek your, uh, expertise about? Um, so lots of the patients come in and they are telling me that they feel fatigued, tired, Uh, They typically come in with autoimmune. Um, They also, you know, it's a combination of either they want to gain weight or they want to lose weight, Um, typically lose weight more so than gain. Um, And then at times I've had other patients with uh, prenatal questions uh, or uh, they're diabetic or um, some other interesting like skin issues and digestion. I had a lot of digest, um, digestive issues. Um, so we, we go through a lot, uh, through integrative health and well-being. 
I want to actually now take a step back and hear more about your journey. Like, how did you get into uh, nutrition and, um, you know, ultimately into being a, a clinical dietitian? Yeah. So that, I mean, I personally had my own struggles with nutrition. So, you know, I grew up within a family who was emotional eaters. Um, our block um, was lined with fast food. So this is my daily exposure. Um, the way my my mom provided love was through food. So, you know, um, it was great <laughs> until it wasn't great when I started having digestive issues. Um, I had, um, I was overweight, I was always feeling fatigued, I got headaches and migraines. So it was a whole bunch of conditions that I knew that, you know, something had to just stop. So, um, you know, and then I went to see doctors, and they would give me kind of a very typical, you know, lose weight and drink more water kind of spiel. And I was like, that's not what I'm looking for, you know. Um, so I enrolled in nutrition. Um, the nutrition program at Hunter College to kind of find more answers. And it was a great experience. And I started working uh, for uh, lots of inpatient uh, long-term care settings um, for more treatment-based types of approaches. Um, so I had the pleasure and understanding to deal with um, obesity or people with hypertension, cardio disease, cardiovascular disease. Um, but I wanted more and you know, I didn't know what that was. And so in my research, I just was playing around and looking for the next step um, to my career. And I found um, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And when I enrolled, it was everything that I was looking for, because everything resonated as far as um, wanting to prevent. So when I completed the course, I started to do a lot of freelancing and um, do meal planning, and then uh, I wore so many different hats, um, being a dietitian at the bariatric um, center, as well as oncology, prenatal, um, and a, a number of other institutions. So I really got my feet wet to understand um, uh, patient encounters and then felt really comfortable in the outpatient position. So was able to kind of really develop my career in helping a number of conditions um, and hope and, and prevention at that as well. You made a lot of uh, interesting points there. The, one of the first things you mentioned was about emotional eating. And I know this is pretty huge for me. I can just identify so many points in my day where like either I'm having a bad day or angry about something. And I, I kind of just, um, you know, look to food to kind of cope with those emotions. So can you expand on how really the, the role that emotions and stress play in, in our eating and, and how we can sort of, uh, you know, build a, a better approach to identifying whether, you know, that, that we're eating for the right reasons? Yeah, um, a lot of my patients, uh, they're, they're, you know, very stressed. Um, and, you know, they end up, you could say, rush to get to work, they wake up, and they don't have time to eat. So they're rushing, and they, they land at work, and they now are meeting the demands of the day. So they thought they could have breakfast, but then they can't. And now it's their breakfast is being pushed towards lunch. And so now they're just starving and then now they're just choosing something that they, you know, something fast, right? Um, and likely something really tasty. So then, you know, that takes them to, you know, holds them over until um, however many hours they have to continue working um, 
through that. And then now they're just spent and they just want to relax. So now they're home and they're kind of like looking through the fridge because they haven't eaten for however many hours. And now they're just, you know, going into town. So that's some of the patients that I've seen. And so, you know, with that said, and they're going in day in and day out this way, uh, you know, I could understand where, you know, emotions, um, stress can start kind of um, cause some GI issues, uh, maybe um, some sugar issues. Um, so what I typically mention is that basic structure um, to help frame how their day should, you know, embed food in it so that they can feel fueled um, and are, you know, fueled at, at, like appropriately throughout the day so they can, you know, meet the demands and they're not going through these mood swings, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how do you, uh, as a dietitian, kind of put your put your foot in the wheel and say like, you know, start, start moving things in the right direction with that, uh, those sort of emotional patterns. So I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, yes, uh, food is very emotional as well. So I do want to make sure that they enjoy what they eat, but I do want to make sure that they do it within a structure like way. So it's not all over the place, which is why I asked them some key questions like what time do you wake up um what when's your uh first meeting when's your lunch break so i understand how what times i can provide to customize the timing that they should be eating and then we talk about the types of foods that they should be uh plating so i want to make sure that they have uh um you could say referring to the my plate diagram a source of protein a source of um starch or a root vegetable and making sure they have lots of vegetables um, and or fruit in that meal so that they feel balanced um, for that time period until the next time they eat. And that way, when they're feeling balanced, they're, they're able to kind of meet the demands of the day. You, you said uh, before you also said like, you know, the speed at which, you know, life goes can play a factor. You said there, the accessibility of fast food can, can point us to make bad choices. All those kind of point to like a, a, a bigger, you know, it, it's almost just like American culture, right? Like the, 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 the fast lifestyle, fast food, even like eating alone, not eating in community. How, so how can you like, how can you sort of make positive changes when sort of like everything around you is kind of kind of a negative eating culture? Yeah, great question. Um, I always, I always do my best to make sure that they are as proactive as they can be in meal planning and prepping. Um, and it depends from patient to patient, right? Some people have better options than others. So if you don't have the greatest option, what are your options then? Shopping for food proactively, um, meal planning proactively, um, bringing in your foods um, so that you're not, you know, subjected to the foods around you that may not be as healthy is important. Um, but let's say you forgot your lunch, then what are your choices in the area that you can make uh, a more complete and balanced meal from? So, you know, I think it depends from patient to patient, but um, 
But those are like the challenges that we talk about in session from patient to patient. Can you, uh, I know everybody is kind of just um, constantly bombarded uh, via social media and sort of other outlets with, you know, sort of these endless bad diets, you know, the paleo diet. Uh, I'm sure you know well well better than me kind of all the the diets that are out there. So can you kind of just describe some of these diets and and perhaps offer some commentary on, on each of them? Let's see. So the paleo diet um, is basically, uh, you know, heavy um, protein based diet with vegetables, Uh, depending on how restrictive it is, it tends if the if you're going more restrictive, um, it would be removing the grains. Um, But you can have root vegetables in place. Um, So that can and, and you can have fruit as well. Um, but I believe sparingly, I don't think there's any uh, beans included. Um, so that can be quite restrictive. And um, some of the practitioners have delivered those diets based on, you know, let's say the patient's condition. Um, the, these diets typically are therapeutic purposes. So typically, if a patient is um, having some autoimmune issue or something um, inflammatory, um, or for example, rheumatoid arthritis, um, they tend to employ these diets so that they feel uh, better bodily wise um, or fatigue. Um, so that could be helpful temporarily. Um, there are other diets. Um, one, two that I'm familiar with is the FODMAP diet. Um, it's it's a diet to help uh, your your GI system. Um, so you would do that about four to six weeks, um, remove certain foods, um, and then return those foods back strategically. So that's another really helpful diet for patients who are struggling with, you know, bloating or gas um, and other GI distress. I've uh, I've um, gone through those diets with patients and they felt so much better um, after having done that. Um, There are other diets like uh, one I personally know, which is the mediator release test. It's it's called the MRT slash LEAP protocol. Um, It's a food sensitivity test. So you get blood work um, done and then you um, get the results back in like green, yellow, and red bars, which indicate least reactive, moderately reactive, and reactive foods. So we, the dietitians base their diet protocol on the test results and start off with the first quote unquote safe foods, which are the green, um, least reactive foods. And then we do like a five phase program where they start um, implementing um, foods back into the diet. That's, that diet has also been a really amazing for people with um, inflammatory issues um, or autoimmune or some kind of skin issues, um, GI distress, for example. Um, let's see, I, the, I know the intermittent fasting diet, uh, it's quite popular. Um, it's pretty much people usually do the 16 hours of fasting and the eight hours that they can eat within that time frame. Um, but it also depends on how strict um, that you want to be with the timing um, with that. Um, personally, I find that, you know, we, we typically, you could say fast anyway, from the time that we um, 
eat dinner last night to the next morning where you eat breakfast. So that can run anywhere from eight to 12 hours. Um, I think that's pretty typical. And I find though that if you extend that fast too late or too long, it can uh, create more problems than benefits. Um, especially for certain patients who let's say have low blood sugar to begin with, um, or somebody who um, eats small meals already. So they tend to feel hungry sooner. Um, that might not work if they're elongating their fasting period. Um, I don't necessarily agree with dieting. <laughs> um, I think, you know, these, you know, depending on the diet of the main purpose is to make sure that you are um, improving your health, um, and then should return to a more sustainable type of diet where you can do lifelong and embed a number of colors and variety in your diet so that you have good gut health. Yeah, I've kind of always felt like the few instances where I've tried out a, a different diet or something that you're almost setting yourself up to to fail in a way because you know, it's not something that it's necessarily sustainable, not something that you're even really interested in doing long term. So um, is that sort of maybe a, a battle you have with with patients in that they're looking for maybe this short term sort of uh, plan and then maybe going back to some other familiar eating habits versus and then maybe on the other hand, you're trying to kind of push them towards like a, a longer term healthy lifestyle. Is there ever kind of a clash of, of you know, what, what, what a diet looks like and what the plan's going to look like? Oh my God, John. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's quite frequent. Uh, in fact, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's easy to counsel, right? Because I know what I know. I think the, the struggle is really to, um, to understand the patient and to know their views on health and well-being, right? Which it's quite subjective from person to person. So they come in and they have their own um, you know, healthy quote unquote diet plan. And it's very hard for them to hear out a different approach, um, because of, you know, thinking, oh, you know, juicing and salads, that's what's a healthy diet. Um, but if they're not embedding all the colors or the macronutrients in that plate, um, it's no wonder why I can hear where they're fatigued or tired, um, or they don't feel fueled or, you know, able to kind of, um, you know, withstand the demands or, or the time of day, they're feeling, you know, pretty low in fuel by the end. Um, so it, it is a struggle that I go through, but it's also a very welcoming challenge, because that's where, um, when I do and, you know, make these recommendations, um, however small they are, um, and they come back and they say that they're, you know, energy has improved or their GI has improved because of some simple basic nutrition um, recommendations, it's, it's a win. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. You also said that people come in sort of with different, uh, diff different notions, right? And I'm sure with that, they come in with different cultural backgrounds, etc. And so in, in particular, um, I'm curious to hear how you approach the topics of like meat and dairy. People probably have all different um, you know, feelings, ideas about what, you know, what a healthy lifestyle looks like and, and how that includes meat and dairy. So what are your big, 
when, when someone's trying to decide whether they want to include meat or fish or dairy or, you know, I guess animal products in general in their diet, what, what what's the first starting point and how do you kind of build that discussion? So personally, I'm not a restrictive dietitian. So I, I welcome, you know, all types of food into a person's diet. Um, but a lot of times, uh, let's say a person already has what they, what they, you know, um, what they think is, uh, important, like they're already a vegetarian. So I just make sure they have adequate protein. Um, but based on your question, I, you know, I don't have any particular, uh, feelings of, being for it or against it. It's really kind of making sure what would warrant them to not have it, right? So if they have something, if they have some inflammation in their body, so, you know, typically pro-inflammatory foods would include red meat and and dairy. Um, So that might not be something that I would include. Um, For example, Let's say they have GI distress, but so they can't really have beans, for example, because we know they're gas and bloat forming. Then I would say it's important to embed some meat for some protein in their diet, or if not meat, then have it be chicken or fish, for example. So I, I kind of meet where the person, uh, where the person's at. So, you know, we kind of help to continue to customize. Um, but my philosophy is if it's not something that you are uh, feeling any distress with for that particular food, then I wouldn't necessarily remove it. It just would have to be from like good sources, obviously, like organic and fair trade and wild caught, all those good labels. I imagine sort of in integrative nutrition, you you kind of, you're, you're, you're taking a more holistic approach, right? So uh, I, I imagine, you know, you have obviously have a lot of patients who, you know, come in for, like you said, the the big issues, GI issues, uh, hypertension, I'm sure diabetes, uh, you know, looking to lose weight. Are there any um, kind of unconventional ways that you use nutrition to treat people right off the top of my head, like, like say like mental health or, or other, other things, tangent or similar, you know, things uh, do you kind of use nutrition to treat people like exclusively for that? Yeah. So, so referring back, um, I had a, I have a lot of patients who have had inflammatory autoimmune issues. Um, and when we're talking about that, you know, um, many of the patients medication hasn't been, you know, the, the end all cure all, right. So they're looking for more, um, and what they could do. Um, so when they're chatting with me, I offer them options depending on where they're at. Some of the, you know, at the baseline, they're, you know, when they're, I'm going through their food diary, um, they could use some improvement. You know, a lot of the patients don't have adequate vegetables uh, into their diet. So at baseline, they could work on that and hydration along with that and activity. Um, You know, the pandemic has definitely kind of uh, created this remote setting where people are less active. So it's important to kind of make sure that um, they're moving and they're, um, they're, you know, um, hydrating well and they're eating well as well. So at the baseline, that's what I chat about. But if they wanted to do a little bit more, uh, more of a restrictive protocol, one thing that I've, that became very popular is that food sensitivity test that I've, uh, I've helped patients with. Um, so again, it's, it's, it is a, 
a blood test and then they receive the results. So they, you know, some patients are looking for more um, conclusive answers to what's causing maybe the inflammation. Um, there are probably other like environmental factors, but, you know, with food, it's a possibility. So um, after they do this blood test, then we decide, I help interpret the results. And then we work with kind of a program uh, for six months. Um, I've gotten amazing results with that where patients have been at a symptom score level of like 80, 85, 90. And then they went down to like the teens, like, you know, 14 um, or so. So it is quite significant as far as what, um, what helps it, in this case of food being something uh, that could help their disease state and, and alleviate their conditions like um, anxiety, like sleep habits, like, um, skin issues or pain, like joint pain, um, or GI distress. Um, so it's quite thorough, I would say. I think, uh, you know, throughout the episode, we've alluded to what, like, you know, different factors, why, you know, having, uh, a good diet, having, having a healthy relationship with food is hard, but just, just to recap, like, why, why is this such a like a hard issue for people? Like, why is it so even, you know, I, I feel like I'm thinking about this all the time in terms of like what I eat and how I can eat better. You know, why are we making this out to be like harder than it needs to be? <laughs> oh, my God, that's a that's a great question. Um, I don't I mean, it, it it's like food is everywhere. <laughs> it's it, it. And I think there's just so much embedded in food, right? So it's like your relationship with food, your emotions, your mood, um, the your surroundings, your influences, social media. I mean, we're always talking about food. Um, so I think it's it's hard when you have, you know, you know what you should eat, you know, quote unquote. But then you're like, oh, you know, your friends are meeting up and it's like, you know, 10 p.m. and it's time to have some fun, you know, so you're going out for drinks and then, and then it, the night goes on, you know, revolving around food. So I could understand, um, it playing such a emotional factor in feeling good, right? Because we associate food with comfort and, and, you know, many good, good times, right. Um, that, that, that comes with food. So I, I could understand it being a struggle all the time. I feel like if you, you know, if you if you're a smoker, you 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 try and quit smoking, or if you know you're trying to to lay off alcohol, you can you can you can stop drinking or or attempt to stop drinking. But like with food, if you have a problem with food, you can't like stop eating. You know, you can only you still have to like interact with sort of you know mm -hmm. with food. You can't you can't like avoid you can't just stop you know avoid it altogether. So like, how do you I, I guess, is there, do you, how do you see that distinction, right? Between just like quitting something together and then the challenge with food where you can't, you can't like quit it altogether. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think that's the kind of, um, it's that place where people are like, I, when they hear you can't have it, that is the problem. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, for the general population, that's why I think what we do is so special because it's not approaching it that way. It's like, 
well, why can't you have it? Right. Um, because there's no such thing as like, you know, I, I don't like to label food as good or bad. It's, you know, um, there are healthier choices and not so healthy choices. Why can't we have it all? Right. But making sure that you have more of the healthier choices than, you know, the non-healthier choices. Right. So it's kind of like swinging with that balance that I think really creates a kind of a, a beautiful marriage. And then you feel like I can have the best of both worlds. Right. Because there's a great quote. I think it's by Allie Krieger. She's a dietitian that that stated there's no such thing as fear or guilt in my world, only joy and balance. I love that. Um, and I think, I think too many people look at food in a very uh, negative connotation where I shouldn't have it and I should have this. And that creates that, you know, um, that kind of like yo-yo, right? That, that diet where you're like, you know, I can't have it, but when I don't have it so much, then I'm going to have a lot of it and not stop. So, which is why I, I don't like to be restrictive. You know, I make sure that they are eating the balanced meal, but if they do want to treat, go for it, you know, but after a meal, I always say, just because they're less likely to have as much when they've already kind of eaten till satisfaction. Let me let me just paint a hypothetical situation for you that I was thinking about the other day. Maybe you could give me your insight on it. So you, if you, you know, the balance between, let's say you could have, you could have 500 calories of junk food, or would you want to have, uh, like say like 300 good calories and 300 bad calories. So you would have more of a balanced calorie count or a, a, a lower junk food count. Ooh, um, calories. <laughs> uh, that's probably one topic that I aim to avoid just because it, 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 it doesn't mean anything when you're looking at calories, right? You can have like 500 calories of donuts, 500 calories of blueberries, <laughs> you know? Um, I more so like to focus my sessions on protein, starches and vegetables, and then also portion that out. So it's not about calories. It's more about what does your healthy plate look like, and then portioning out so it's adequate. Because um, I find like you could have, you know, your calories and overdo it with popcorn. But you know, and you could say if you compare popcorn as a snack versus an open face sandwich, right, you would have a much more complete plate when you, if you had an open face sandwich, right? And you feel much more nourished versus having a, you know, a bag or two of popcorn where you're just like, I'm still hungry. Does that make sense? So I always look at, you know, creating a healthy relationship with food should be with food, not the calories from it. Cause it's just so much more with food than that it offers than the calories. Right. You don't want to just kind of take this reductionist approach where you look solely at the the facts on the back of the, the bag. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure by this point, everybody's kind of wondering like what your diet looks like. So why don't you give us the rundown of, of kind of, you know, things you eat, things you uh, try to stay away from, et cetera. Um, so 
let's see the things I eat. I enjoy. Uh, are do you first off? Do you uh, are you a follower of any sort of? Are you like a vegan, a vegetarian, or anything like that? Or are you kind of just uh, very fluid in your approach? <laughs> I, I'm I'm very fluid, and I've had many years to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, so I I and I understand that different foods provide different energies depending on when I need it, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it just depends from person to person. Um, so like, for example, this morning, I had, a, you could say an open face sandwich where I toasted a slice of bread, and then add in um, some ghee, a little jelly, and then I had my chia seeds, black seeds, hemp seeds, the pollen cinnamon uh, with a cup of coffee. So that was my breakfast. Nice. And then, um, yeah, I, and then I had uh, for lunch, I had a broccoli, uh, like a really like half of a potato um, with some, I think it was some like um, grass fed beef and then um, some broccoli and corn with that. Um, so that was my lunch. Um, yeah. And then I had a little bit of my salt and vinegar chips to kind of create some crunch and some flavor alongside that. So again, a little bit of everything, um, helps, uh, you know, helps. And then I had like, um, a peach after that. Yeah. I think that's nice. If I asked anybody else that question on the street, like what, you know, what does your diet look like? They would probably give me, you know, some sort of, <laughs> description of their their rules and their but you kind of just jumped into you took me <laughs> down memory lane of your day today where you know breakfast and lunch and I think mm -hmm. maybe that's a more uh you know mindful approach to to how we eat and stuff yeah <laughs> um last question for you here um and then we'll jump into some fun ones as well can you really like appreciate food without being a cook I feel like I my my shortcoming is in a way is that I, I I don't cook very much so I can't truly appreciate and have like that you know deeper relationship with food because I I I don't you know really stick my hands into how it's being made and 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 putting and like seeing the food actually get on my plate. John, what are you waiting for then? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go for it. I'm and and this is what I love about what I do. It's like well you if you haven't done it then do it what's stopping you, you know, on a weekend, uh, if it is kind of, you know, trying to make things fun, right? That's the approach. Um, so if, if it's not exciting for you to do it on your own, invite some people to do it with you. So it makes it a little bit more of a uh, adventurous experience. Um, but I, I think it's a different level of appreciating when you can cook what you've made um it, it's definitely like a beautiful experience when you are like oh I made this you know and and you're tasting the flavors and then it just gets better after that um and then you find that what you made is better than what you could have bought you know what I mean it's like I I made it the way I wanted to make it not the way they made it for me so it it elevates that experience and makes it more wholesome and healthy at that, um, as well as, you know, cheaper, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's something I'm gonna work on. So you just, uh, you know, you're gonna give me that boost to, 
I think that's a good thing. I, I don't cook with other people, so maybe I'll I'll invite somebody over next time and we'll we'll have a gastronomical experiment. Um, John, I I mean, if I could, I would be cooking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it uh, this Saturday. Um, and see uh, John and Janet cooking together. That's exciting. <laughs> All right, uh, time for a lightning round. A series of fast-paced questions that tell us more about you. Um. So what is your favorite food? Oh, my gosh. I have so many. Um, I mean, I love sushi. I love ramen. I love arroz habichuela con pollo. That's rice and beans and chicken. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, th- there's just so many foods I love. Um, yeah, that's, that's some of them. Can I just leave it at that? Because I don't. Yeah, that's no, that's. I, I guess that's a tough question for a dietitian, right? Uh, but you'll have to narrow this one down. Uh, what is your favorite junk food? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, it's getting down to the dark side, huh, John? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of them is I love Oreo cookies, so I, I don't buy them because it's it's going down. <laughs> hard um no I, I i've learned a lot of willpower throughout my years so i'm able to control myself but that is one thing that i really enjoy yeah nabisco makes it so easy with those oreo containers they just have that little uh you know drag a cloth flap on the top and you can just stick your hand in there and, oh. uh, <laughs> i don't know is- about that john I, I get the the newman's or the the nature's path ones Oh, uh, okay. You, you yeah. don't go for the classic Nabisco no, anymore? No. no, it has to be, you know, a, a little higher end <laughs> ingredients. <laughs> Boutique Oreos, I guess. Uh, what's your go-to self-care routine? Ooh, I like that question. So I found a love for movement. Um, you know, back in the day, it was always about image, right? How to get the flat stomach or um, those kind of thoughts, right? When you're young. Now it's totally for mental health and and uh, groundedness. So that's really embedded, you know, whether it's yoga, whether it's uh, hiking or biking, or um, I don't know, some great YouTubes that I uh, I started to follow uh, Heather Robertson, Mad Fit, um, Pop Sugar. Those are some fun ones. Um, so yeah, weights and and cardio. It's all good there. What's a uh, hobby or interest you'd like to pursue more? Um, let's see. My husband bought me a ukulele, and I would love to learn how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow. There you go. Yeah. And sing that song. Yep. Uh, and lastly, what's the best part of being a dietitian? Oh, you're asking me such great questions, John. Uh, the best part is hearing that uh, they feel better. Um, it's great, you know, that it works. And, you know, trusting in the structure is First, allowing me, allowing me to be part of their journey is, is, you know, so honoring. Um, and along with that, trusting my advisement and recommendation is also, um, something that I, I 
truly, sincerely appreciate. Um, and the icing on, and the cherry on the cake is really that they feel better. So when I hear that, it's it's like applause, 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 and, and kudos to their health and, and commitment to their health. Janet Lau, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, my pleasure, John. This was fun. That concludes this episode of Esculapius. Till next time, I'm your host, John Neary. Be well. <laughs>